Hi. <laughs> Hope this finds you in good health and secure. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for paying attention. <laughs> Some of you noticed that in my recent post of a video with the thumbnail Amitabha for Buddhism Reference Volume 2, that I had actually uh, uploaded a different video. <laughs> Senior moment. Um, and moving, I record in one place, I go to another place, I move files around, I move... Anyway, simple stuff, really. But it doesn't take much sometimes to confuse my eyeballs. And rather than uh, attaching Amitabha, I attached uh, Abhidharma. When you say it like that, they don't sound that different. But... Uh, the content, wildly different. <laughs> so, thank you for pointing that out. And uh, as soon as I saw it yesterday, I removed the improper file and uploaded the file as it should have been uploaded. Of course, unfortunately, and the reason I'm talking about it today, not only to thank you, but uh, I really wanted to thank you in your comment. But, of course, as you remove a video from YouTube, so do all of its attached comments and etc. So, sorry, I just wanted you to know I appreciate your perspicacity. Okay, let us continue. Let me continue. Let this continue. Uh, the TLK or Sylvain version, uh, version, transcription with annotations, heavily annotated. Lotus Sutra. We left off, we were still in the first chapter of the, uh, the prologue, or the Innumerable Meanings Sutra. These are the true good friends for all living beings. These are the great field of merits for all living beings. Once again, don't lose sight of the fact that Shakyamuni is always making reference to his personages people that he speaks of in these stories as exemplars of activities of the mind. Buddhism is about the mind. So here he is again talking about uh, those who teach Myoho the Dharma of the wonderful uh, Lotus Blossom. And he's saying these are true good friends for all living beings, Right? Bodhisattvas, people who teach, who share with others the path to enlightenment, are good friends. But in the same sentence, separated only by the modest comma, these are the great field of merits for all living beings. Yet another comma, these are the unsummoned teachers for all living beings, comma, and these are the peaceful place of pleasure, relief, protection, and great support for all living beings. So this lends more dimension to a, a concept and it's a, a, an area of study that very few other than Nietzsche and Tendai really 
Zhiyi, or Zhang Han, uh, later on, spent discussing the 3,000 realms in a single thought moment. That's what these are. These influences, these tendencies, more accurately, tendencies used in a constructive manner, in a life-affirming manner, produced the merits, the unsummoned teachers, right? What uh, psychoanalysts would call the, or used to call the uh, little professor, right? We all have this tendency to want to show what we know, right? It's part of our samsaric design. But when we use that show what we know in order to spread the teachings of enlightenment, then we are doing something hugely beneficial for all living beings. You see? These aren't a collection of skills. They're innate. This is why Buddhahood is innate. But skills, right? If we're going to use that word, how do skills manifest? I mean, certainly you have some skills that are pretty innate to you. Those are your tendencies and conditions. But you also have skills of self-destruction and negativity, blah, blah, blah. So how do you hone a skill? How do you create a skill? You work on it repeatedly. Namo myoho Chant. Work on your buddhaness repeatedly. It's all, it, this, this isn't even the proper Lotus Hoop proper being the, the uh, 28 chapters, but as you'll see as I move into this, the innumerable meanings is really just another name for the Lotus Sutra. But, but oh, I got ahead of myself. Anyway, they serve as eyes for blind beings and as ears, nose, and tongue for those who are deaf, who have no nose, or who are dumb, make deficient organs complete, turn the deranged into the great uh, correct thought. As the master of a ship or the great master of a ship, they carry all living beings across the, the river of the cycle of birth and death or life and death here to the shore of nirvana, which is the liberated, liberating from the craving and clinging of samsara, right? just in case you didn't remember what nirvana meant. As the king of medicine, or the great king of medicine, they discriminate the phases of a disease, know well the properties of medicines, dispense medicines according to the disease, and make people take them. What's he talking about? Is he talking about medicine king and doctors? No, he's still talking about those qualities that we manifest out of our, what, what would be another word to encapsulate all of those qualities? Compassion? Hmm? <laughs> that was an interesting, almost apropos. As the controller or the great controller, they have no dissolute conduct. They are like a trainer of elephants and horses who never fails to train well, or like a ma majestic and brave lion that inevitably subdues and overpowers all beasts. 
right? So why the, the this or the great this, right? He said that several times. Again, in people's imaginations, knowing that somebody is a, an architect. Okay, he's an architect. He designs buildings for a living. A great architect. Oh, that's an architect of special note, right? People do the same thing in their religious context, right? There are gods and there's a great God or one God, so on and so forth. So he's just appealing to his audience, right? Bodhisattvas playing in all paramitas, being firm and immovable, immovable at the stage of Tathagata, purifying the Buddha country with the stability of their vow power, will rapidly accomplish perfect enlightenment. Now, that's all. That's a confusing statement. So this is why I interject with some definitions and a few words. Right? So let me read the sentence again. As I was saying earlier, all of these qualities he's indicating are the qualities of a teacher, as someone who's in, not just any teacher, but a teacher of the Dharma Blossom, right? So he then goes on and says, this controller, this great controller has this conduct is like a brave lion. And then he says, bodhisattvas, you and I, playing in all paramitas. What does that mean? So the six paramitas, and there are 10 total. I think that's in the back of this book, actually. Certainly in Buddhism reference. Um, the six paramitas, which is most often discussed, is one, generosity to protect and to impart others beneficially, more specifically. Two, precept is to correctly perform deeds befitting a human being, carrying out these acts of leading someone to enlightenment. Everything's specific to leading to Anuttara Samyak Sambodai, right? Third is patience. <laughs> you probably figured that one out is to endure both painful difficulties and criticisms. Effort is to act in a correct way, correctness. So effort, ultimately, when you look at anything that requires effort, it, what's the effort for? To do well, right? The additional correctness here is in line with, again, yes? Five is meditation. It's to maintain a quietude of mind. Again, that's part and parcel of being patient and uh, generous and all of these things, right? However, with the advent of the Lotus Sutra, this was demonstrated to be an interim goal of the semblance or counterfeit Dharma and incomplete because the word meditation was used to uh, investigate quietude of the mind itself rather than uh, the calmness of everything the mind experiences in order to enter the gate of Gohanzan, open the, the eye. It became much more specific with the lotus, yes? With the lotus, meditation or samadhi became the attainment of Buddhahood. So that's a big shift in the Lotus Sutra, yeah? And sixth is wisdom, which is to perceive things as they truly are get the picture. Hmm? So uh, this divisional bodhisattva practice of the six paramitas is 
completely contained and greatly extended within the practice of chanting the Odamoku. This being so, although not practicing each individual paramita with active cognition and direction, those who chant the Odaimoku and follow the correct teachings of Nichiren are naturally imbued with the paramitas just as a fountain naturally fills its basin with water. That's a quote from Nichiren. See Appendix A for the ten paramitas of the Mahayana. So it is in here. So, uh, again... Um, it's also interesting, and I'm going to read the sentence again, Bodhisattva's playing in all paramitas, being firm and immovable at the stage of Tathagata. Isn't Tathagata full uh, Anuttara Samyak Samodai? Well, the stage of Tathagata referred to here for you and I, Bodhisattvas, is that opening of that Buddha eye while we're here in this physical form, helping one another collectively the consciousness of the cosmos realize this incredible, amazing advent of life in the cosmos, experiencing it and witnessing it. That's the reason we're here. There is no other. If you're looking for a purpose, then that's it. A purpose seems an odd thing. Life, life is manifest. Recognizing that is celebratory. And sharing that celebration, well, that's bodhisattva. Purifying the Buddha country with the stability of their vow power will rapidly accomplish perfect enlightenment. So perfect enlightenment in this, in this sense, is, sense is not just individual. It is individual, but it's individual as a collection of individuals. This is why it's perfect and complete as we bring others to this same I, this same realization. All these Bodhisattva Mahasattvas have such wonderful merits as seen above. So right away, and we're, we're not even in the Lotus Sutra, quote, proper. And, and there's the crux of it in the innumerable meanings sutra that's why to leave these the prologue and the epilogue of the lotus sutra out of the conversation of the lotus sutra it's kind of it's really kind of sad You're missing a big chunk of what the lotus sutra is right those big shoes Names were Great Wisdom Shariputra, right? Or Sharihatsu, as you may know from Gangil. Supernatural Power Madhagayana, Wisdom Life Subhuti, Mahakachayana, Maitreya Sun Purna, Ajnata Kundinya, Transcendent Eye Aniruddha, Precept, Precept Keeping Upali, Attendant Ananda, Buddha son Rahula, Upananda, Revata, Kapina, Vakula, Akuta, Svagata. So he goes on and on and on, listing these Bodhisattva Mahasattvas that are present. There were 12,000 bhikshus 
such as these. All are arhats, unrestricted by all bonds of faults, free from attachment, and truly emancipated, liberated from craving and clinging, but with the exception of their own bodily self, which is going to get blown apart in the Lotus Sutra, right? See arhat in Buddhism reference. This is the big stumbling block of pre-Mahayana and, and into Mahayana, right? That's the great obstacle of early Buddhists, not hearing the teachings completely and assuming, even in the teaching itself, speaking to their cultural biases and hindrances, they got stuck there. And, um, you know, and Shakyamuni, for his role, played a part in it, but in the Lotus Sutra and in later, early um, Mahayana as well, as finally in the Lotus, he just, no more of this. It's time to stop practicing with this fallacy of uh, a personage through as eternal throughout time without death you know or rebirth or, or any of that that's just malarkey stop thinking that way it's prohibiting your enlightenment at that time the bodhisattva mahasattva great adornment seeing that all the groups sat in settled mind ready to pay attention rose up from his seat went up to the buddha with the 80,000 Bodhisattva Mahasattvas in the assembly, the number just keeps growing, yeah? Made reverence at his feet, a 100,000 times made procession around him. Must have seemed like it. Burned celestial incense, scattered celestial flowers, and presented the Buddha with celestial robes, garlands, and jewels of priceless value, which came rolling down from the sky and gathered all over like precious clouds. The celestial bins and bowls were filled with all sorts of celestial delicacies, which satisfied just by the sight of their color and the smell of their perfume. They placed celestial banners, flags, canopies, and playthings everywhere, pleased the Buddha with celestial music, and then went forth to kneel with folded hands and praised him in verse, saying with one voice and one mind, Now, I want to address something really quickly, and it's not written in here, but why, if we're talking about the enlightenment of the mind, is it a common refrain throughout, certainly uh, the Lotus, but the history of teachings of Buddhism, this constant reminder of value, right? Everything's priceless jewels and uh, rare, rare flowers and, and scents and all of this. Um, and, and, and perhaps, I mean, this is the world today, so I'm not going to blame the United States alone, but this, this idea that value and um, respect, dignity, is somehow attached not only to currency, but the currency 
of our commitments, our uh, depth of resolve. I know we see it everywhere and it, it bothers me. But again, we have to remember that this is a teaching meant to be heard by people in whatever place they are in their Buddhist practice and non-Buddhists, their reference for life, their reference is samsaric. And in samsara, everything is about attachment. Everything is about ownership, possession, quantity, right? If this is good, then more is better, right? That's samsara. So this is why that language is strewn throughout. And it's difficult when this language is in here to remind ourselves that this is about the mind. And maybe if we can use as a stepping stone the mind's tendency to be attracted to shiny things, <laughs> to quantity and possession, think of the, the, the tiny little atomic monkeys in the brain, right? Competition. So, in a way, appeasing those monkeys simply by giving them shiny things to look at, it may help us, it may assuage those tendencies enough that the message, the meaning of the teaching can slide on in there. So maybe if we think of it that way, it's not such a uh, kind of a hard stop. You follow? Let's try to do that. I certainly will. Great, the great enlightened, the great revered Lord. In him, there is no defilement, no contamination, no attachment. So they're addressing Shakyamuni Buddha here. And perhaps I should change the lane, uh, the word Lord, but I'm not going to get too hung up about that because it's so often used. And I think we're accustomed to seeing it used as the leader, the great owner, right? They, they start with great, the great enlightened. So maybe we can let that one go. If you don't think so, though, let me know in the comments, okay? Because I'll, I'll figure out a way. Maybe it should just say revered world honored one would be more apropos, yeah? So let me think about that. The trainer of universal realms. Gosh, I still have to repeat. This is about influence, the mind. Hmm? So what does Buddha do when you open your Buddha eye in your mind? It is a trainer of the universal realms of influence in men. Elephants and horses, his moral breeze and virtuous fragrance deeply permeates all. See, we're not talking about things. We're talking about qualities of mind. The trainer of universal realms of influence and in men, elephants and horses, his moral breeze and virtuous fragrance deeply permeate all. Serene is his wisdom, calm is his emotion, and stable is his prudence. Is it really a his, a he, a him? No, it's just the language. If we said it, 
we might lose respect. It's the Buddhaness, the enlightened self. Hmm? His thought is settled. His samsaric consciousness is extinct. In other words, it no longer influences our thoughts. And thus his mind is quiet. The monkeys are quiet. Not the entire mind. The monkey mind is quiet. See extinction in Buddhism reference. Long since he removed false thoughts and conquered all the laws of existence. Again, the monkey mind versus the Buddha eye, the enlightened portal mind. Yeah? His body is neither existing nor non-existing in accord with attachment to it. That's the great dividing line that Lotus Sutra nails down. That the final attachment, the most difficult thing to let go of, is why do we eat so much? We want to possess more body. Maybe not consciously, but we do. Because somehow we're attached to a self that is comforted by being this thing, this apparatus. The apparatus is important. We don't want to get rid of it. It's the reason we have a mind. It's the function or the apparatus by which we emerge the mind. So it's important. But our samsaric self is gluttonous. And the opposite is true as well. Without cause or condition, without self or others, neither square nor round, neither short nor long, without appearance or disappearance, without birth or death, neither created nor emanating, neither made nor produced, neither sitting nor lying, neither walking nor stopping, neither moving nor rolling, neither calm nor quiet, without advance or retreat, without safety or danger, without right or wrong, without merit or demerit, neither that nor this, neither going nor coming, neither blue nor yellow, neither red nor white, neither crimson nor purple, without a variety of color, born of components, meditation, wisdom, emancipation, and knowledge. Merit of contemplation, the six transcendent, transcendent faculties, and the practice of the way, the Buddha way, sprung of benevolence and compassion, the ten powers and fearlessnesses, he has come in response to good karmas of living beings. He reveals his body ten feet six inches in height, glittering with purple gold, well-proportioned, brilliant, and highly bright. The mark of hair curls as the moon. In the nape of his neck there is a light as of the sun. The curling hair is deep blue. On the head there is a protuberance. The pure eyes, like a stainless mirror, blink up and down. The eyebrows trail in dark blue. The mouth and cheeks are well formed. The lips and tongue appear pleasantly red, like a scarlet flower. The white teeth, forty in number, forty, 
appear as snow, snowy ag agate, broad the forehead, high bridge the nose, and majestic the face, the chest with a swastika mark is like a lion's breast. The hands and feet are flexible with the mark of a thousand spokes, the sides and palms are well-rounded and snow show in fine lines, the arms are elongated, and the fingers are straight and slender, the skin is delicate and smooth, and the hair curls to the right. The ankles and knees are well-defined, and the male organ is hidden like that of a horse. The fine muscles and co the collarbone and the high thigh bones are slim like those of a deer. The fine muscles, uh, I'm sorry, the chest and back are shining, pure, without blemish, untainted by any muddy water, unspotted by any speck of dust. There are 32 such signs. The 80 kinds of excellence are visible, and truly there is nothing of form or non-form. Interesting. Sounds like a contradiction, yeah? All visible forms are transcended. His body is formless and yet has form because it's the mind. It's not an actual being. And all these qualities are like these highest qualities of a perfect human that is idealized. Hmm? Like the archaic Greek statue with the, the archaic smile. It's not a smile, but it's not a frown. It's this greatly... Uh, what would you say? This imbued of knowledge and, and contentment on the ancient statue, statues of idealized humans that the Greeks made, right? In the West, we have parallels. This is all true, also true of the form of the body of all living beings because we all have this Buddha nature. My goodness, my, my apologies. All visible forms are transcended. His body is formless and yet has form. Living being adored him joyfully, devote their minds to him and pay their respects wholeheartedly by cutting off arrogance and egotism. He has accomplished such a wonderful body. And here I interject with a note. All of this is to say that the, quote, body of the Buddha is an ephemeral entity of the mind, yes? Rather than a physical form. Though a bodhisattva course in the physical world with the Buddha mind, the body of the bodhisattva is physical while the Buddha exists in the mind only. So, a reminder to those reading this who haven't seen this video, uh, exactly what I was saying earlier. Continuing, now we, these bodhisattvas speaking in one voice, the assemblage of 80,000, making reverence altogether, submit ourselves to the sage of non-attachment, the trainer of elephants and horses, detached from the state of thinking, mind, thought, and perception, obviously, samsarically, sorry, we make reverence and submit ourselves to the law body, right? One of the three bodies of Buddha, the law body being the renge, the aha, the now I get it. To all commands, meditation, wisdom, emancipation, and knowledge. 
We make reverence and submit ourselves to the wonderful character. We make reverence and submit ourselves to the unthinkable. In other words, without the samsaric mind, the monkey mind, the unsamsarically thinkable. Hmm? The profound voice sounds eight ways as the thunder sounds. Where is that note? It is sweet, pure, and greatly profound. He teaches the four noble truths, the six paramitas, and the twelve causes according to the working of the minds of living beings. And there it is very explicitly laid out that in the three vehicles he taught to the capacity of those he was teaching using the words of familiarity, right? A lot of which he had, would have to retract later, but he had to entreat these people to look deeper, look further. And hopefully by the time they get to a, a later stage, they start destroying their own illusions. I mean, that's the whole purpose of the teachings, yes? To lead those skillful means, expedient devices. That's what that's all about. One never hears without opening one's mind and breaking the bonds of the infinite cycles of life and death. One never hears without reaching srota apana or skridagamen, anagamen, and arhat, speaking about those three vehicles, reaching the state of prachakabuddha, of non-fault and non-condition, reaching the state of bodhisattva, of non-life and non-death, mahasattva, hmm? of obtaining the infinite dharani and the unhindered power of discourse, with which one recites profound and wonderful verses, plays and bathes in the pure pond of the law, or displays supernatural motion by jumping and flying up, or freely goes in and out of water and fire. The aspect of the Tathagata's law wheel is like this. It is pure, boundless, and unthinkable. Making reverence altogether, we submit ourselves to him when he rolls the law wheel. We submit ourselves to who? I know it says him, but Buddha, your Buddha, the Buddha, Buddha-ness. We make reverence and submit ourselves to the profound voice. We make reverence and submit ourselves to the causes, truths, and paramitas. For infinite past kalpas, the world-honored one has practiced all manner of virtues with effort to bring benefit to us beings, heavenly beings, and dragon kings, universally to all living beings. He abandoned all things hard to abandon, his treasures, wife and child, his country, and his palace. Unsparing of his person as of his possessions, he gave all, his head, eyes, and brain to the people as alms. The level of resolve, yes? Keeping the Buddha's precepts of purity, he never did any harm, even at the cost of his life. 
He never became angry, even though beaten with swords and staff, or though cursed and abused. He never became tired, in spite of long exertion. He kept his mind at peace day and night, and was always in meditation, right, single-mindedly, hmm? learning all the law ways, expedient devices. With his deep wisdom, he has seen into the capacity of living beings. As a result, obtaining free power, he has become the law king, who is free in the law. Making reverence again altogether, we submit ourselves to the one who has completed all hard things. Now, I close out this first chapter with quite a few words about um, this opening sutra, but I've already gone on a while, so I'm going to save that uh, for the next video. I think uh, you'll be interested to hear how I encapsulate this. Um, and again, your comments are welcome. Uh, like I said, uh, I didn't, that one use of the word Lord, I may just go back and, and edit that. I'm still honing this book. It's a large work, so it's going to take some time. Um, it is available now. If you want it in its current form, just to read along with me and make your own notes in it, uh, that's fine. Just be aware, it says right on the uh, on the website, on threefoldlows.com anyway, uh, that it is an artist proof. Yeah, uh, but uh, but I'm pretty proud of it so far. I haven't seen anything glaring, um, although you know there's always you can always find something to improve. Yeah, and that's great. That's fine. Anyway, I have to thank you all for participating, for listening to this, mostly um, for your practice. That that's everything, and uh, the whole reason for this resource, all of it, the website, all the links are in the description. You know this. Um, it's all about creating a depth of confidence, right? Nichiren tells us all the time, you can chant, you can do gongyo, but if your heart-mind isn't in it, if you're not truly dedicated, your progress will be slow. But you can immediately awaken your Buddha eye, your Buddha-ness, your experience of Buddha with this, a, a clear, strong commitment to doing so. Oh, that's all it takes. Yeah, but it's not always easy, right? We struggle. But, you know, see that video that I did on presence at the Butsudan? It's a way of being fully present. That when you begin, when you set up, when you're going to do gongyo, certainly, you have an opportunity there to adjust your mind before you just jump into it and savor your practice. Be your own cheerleader. All right. Best of luck. Take care of your health as best you can so you can keep your practice strong. And I'll see you in the next one. All right. Thanks. Bye for now.